This podcast is sponsored by Sonos. Sonos is offering the listeners of Mr. Robot 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code ROBOT10, that's capital R-O-B-O-T-1-0, at Sonos.com to receive this offer. Every day we change the world. But to change the world in a way that means anything. It's slow. It's methodical. Welcome to 2 Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast from Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season three, episode ten, titled Episode 3.9, Shutdown Dash R. Uh this is this is the season finale. So this is the last podcast we're gonna be doing. I don't think we're doing a wrap up. So uh what do you think of this episode? I <laughs> so this gave me almost nothing from what I wanted in my grandiose list of things from last episode, um, but yet I found it very really? satisfying. It, I thought it gave me so much that I wanted from the season as a whole. I thought that they really needed to come down and like come out with what White Rose's plan actually is. Uh, okay, and the fact, but but I will say that if you had told me that after this episode you would they would essentially kick that can down to season four, I would have been mad. But mm-hmm. the way it all worked out, I thought it was just it was just great. Like it, like we we found things. I we got answers to things I didn't know that I wanted to know. Like the Irving used to be White uh, Rose's lover. She used to be the Grant before she had Grant. Like uh-huh. he used to be the Grant before she had Grant. I mean, there's this really cool big idea kind of stuff. Great acting, uh, just masterful editing. Yeah, the way they wove. Angela's revelation of of Price being her father with Elliot's high stakes negotiating with the Dark Army mm-hmm. and the fall of Dom was just brilliant. Yeah. Like that that lives and dies by how well you can edit it and lay a musical track that kind of ties it all together. And and I, I thought it was great. I love the the fact that like all the time travel and stuff paid off but not in the way that you conventionally think of it as paying off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was more about the five, nine hack itself. Yeah, no, I, and, and, and a lot of people like I, I, there's a lot of reaction of like, Oh, well this returns us to season one, but yes, it's almost like you, but, but, but it's an evolution from where Elliot was at before, because he knows so much more about the overall power structure of the world. He, the enemy and, is much clearer now. Right. The enemy is much clearer. And also he has come to terms with his own inner demons, I think, yes. in, in a certain – to a certain degree. He's made peace with Mr. Robot. If that's right. a long-lasting peace or what will come of it. And that's super important because yes, those is. are two halves of himself that have always been warring and holding him back. Yes, What can is. he do now that he's free of those shackles? That's a good question. Uh, uh, and it's exciting, honestly. Like the ending of this is so exciting for season four. And also, there's a couple other questions that I like. I, you know, I've, I've expressed skepticism of how Elliot can be this much better of a hacker than everyone else. And I was gratified that Grant asked the question, like, "What yeah. makes you think you're better than an army of everyone exactly like you?" And he goes, "Because I am." And I'm like, <laughs> right. "Fuck yeah!" I actually got caught up in the moment. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess that this is you know this is uh, it's it's like Zod asking the same thing of Superman. Well, he's fucking Superman. That's so. Yeah. Mister Robot true. is Superman in the hacking world, and and I need to get on board with that. Yeah, and the other thing that 
I guess happens that doesn't quite happen here, but in a way it does is the FBI potentially working with Elliot. To not bring in, but not in the way Rose. we po- we ever anyone ever postulated. Right, like you is... would have never guessed this. The Dom was just going to sign into the Sentinel and hand over the keys, but also not right. really want to work with Elliot. It, it won't be a moment of triumph for like fuck yeah, they're working yeah. together. It's going to be very much under duress. Uh, but and... also the the future, the possibilities is what I'm excited about because right. with Dom. We know Dom's attitude toward this whole thing. She's only going to go along with it, in my mind, for as long as she can keep up the ruse and actually work against White Rose or the Dark Army. Yeah. Um. And, and in that, in that, I'm excited because that will be her, essentially, the FBI working with Elliot. Yeah. And, and all... their powers combined might be enough to do this. And man, Grace Gummer is just really good. Oh man, that scene where she tells off Darlene. I felt it. I felt yeah, it. that was good. It wasn't even aimed at me, and I felt it. It's yeah. almost like she's Meryl Streep's daughter or something. Kind of uh, like that, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. But no, I I thought it was really good. Also, Bobby Cannavale, like, the one... I've loved his performance, but, like, to me, you're almost wasting him if you don't let him get completely unhinged and, like, holy yeah. shit, this is mid-season three uh, Boardwalk Empire, Bobby Cannavale, just going to town on Santiago. It was... Yeah. Br- like... Despite having some of the most god awful wound CGI I've ever seen in my life, that scene just worked. Yeah, I I absolutely love when they pull out and you see the wide shot as Dom walks away and he's just going just to town going, yeah. on Santiago. Yeah. On what's clearly a dummy, but they, they like, go for it. Like like the only reason that thing works is because of Grace Gummer and, and, and Bobby Cannavale and they yeah. just elevate that shit and, and really make you feel it. They do the desperation and the fury and like you know like what is this Irving guy's damage? Uh, yeah, and how like how exactly does he have the you you think of organized crime and you don't think of walking away as an option? Yeah, how ever. do you do that? How did he manage that, especially with someone as powerful as White Rose? Bobby got that got that good D. <laughs> <laughs> got that good D. He laid it. Yep. He laid it so nice that uh, God. He, we just watched the. The mattress sketch from Key and Peel the other night. <laughs> Testing the mattress. Are you working your way through Key and Peel? My girlfriend is, and I catch one every once it's in a while. It's pretty rewarding. There you got some. So yeah. I got that good D. It really resonates uh-huh. with me uh-huh. right now. <laughs> Who's got that good D? <laughs> uh, all right. Should we talk about the, the episode? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we It's a time in a podcast where we do housekeeping. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of house left to keep. It's it's the no. end of the year. We're about ready to ride off in the sunset. Walking Dead's gone. Mr. Robot's gone. Uh, we did have a couple things drop. Just last night, Jim and I saw Star Wars 8. Yeah. The Last, last Jedi. Jedi. And one of us loved it, and one of us had a lot of complicated feelings about it. Which one is which? <laughs> Who can know? Well, you can if you go to baldmove.com and download the relevant podcast. And if you're a club member, you can get our detailed, spoilery thoughts about it. Uh, we also have, throughout the whole month of December, we've been doing this Mary Culkin Keatmas. We've revealed the first three movies. Uh, we started off with the uh, Michael Keaton, Jack Frost, then the Macaulay Culkin Home Alone, back to Keaton for Batman Returns. What will be next week? What will be Christmas? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so excited. Could be anything. That, that package has been rattling underneath the tree for, for many weeks now. Can't wait for you guys to open it. Uh, and just in general, thanks uh, for those of you who have supported us. Thanks for those of you who have just listened to us. We're going to be back for 2018 with more great shows, more great movies, more great whatever bald move things that we do. 
do it uh, all. We got a we got we got a lot of plans, and uh, we can't wait to get recharged, spend a little time with our friends and family, and come back for y'all. So you can find all that stuff I talked about on baldmove.com. Check it out. Um, so we start off with the Dark Army searching for Elliot in his apartment, but he is hiding next door, as he does. In Shayla's apartment. Uh, yep. Darlene is not responding to his texts, so he goes to the their rendezvous, which we find out later is the the arcade. I love Chekhov's blank CD over the logo. Yes. Uh huh. They've done a lot. They've done. I mean, they, this is kind of a hallmark using the Mister Robot logo as like the hammer. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm like, huh? Blank CD. I wonder what that means. And obviously, it directly pays off with that's what Mister Robot used to encode the the key log. Mm-hmm. Um. There's also some suggestion online that maybe Darlene is essentially Elliot's blank CD for himself. Because okay, that's saying like I remember for you. I remember like the one who remembers for you. Like when he when he's ready to, to to complete something and he burns it off and he get he he wipes his image. Like that's that's she is his blank CD and I kind of like the way they if that's intentional um even if it's not intentional it pays off the end of the episode but i also mm-hmm. like the fact that that maybe darlene herself is is elliot's uh personal backup system because he's such an yeah. unreliable narrator and such a um on the other hand if you want to if you want to interpret it less charitably uh potentially she's got a big vulnerability in him because he trusts her implicitly to kind of like be the historian of his life. And what mm-hmm. if she is not an unreliable narrator, but just an unreliable historian? That's uh, <laughs> it's kind of like you, you could be yeah. very easy to manipulate him in a in a in a John G kind of Linny kind of uh, memento way. It would be. Yeah. But no, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't know. So far, I guess I trust Dar- or Darlene as well. Um, she hasn't shown me anything that says that she's really going to actively work against Elliot. So. Yeah. Also, I guess this episode gave me hope that you could actually hide from the Dark Army. Like, mm-hmm. the Dark Army's resources are not limitless, and if you live completely off the grid, they're kind of helpless. Okay. Yeah. So, like, they why why would they possibly know that Elliot... You know, it kind of seems silly that they're breaking this apartment and, and, and Elliot's literally ne- right next door, but, like, what possible reason would the Dark Army have to suspect that he would be in the apartment next door. Sure. And, like, is the Dark Army going to knock on the door and assassinate everyone in the... So, like, they do have limits. It shows that they don't know everything. Right. Which is nice, because up until now, they've been kind of omnipotent and omnipresent. It's their weak point, though. Like, if you can successfully keep yourself off the grid and hidden, then there's nothing they can really do. Like, once you carelessly let your location be known, then Mm -hmm. they can descend on you with the hammer of God. Which is a little scary, because... Elliot is only powerful online when connected. Yeah, so, it's a really good, it's like a really unbreakable Mr. Glass situation. Right. Their right. strengths and weaknesses are well suited to be good foils for each other. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out in season yeah, four. Yeah, it's going to be, I hope it's going to be a really entertaining cat and mouse, especially yeah. since White Rose is definitely not done with Mr. Anderson. No. Or, uh, Alderson. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, got my, I got my hacker movies confused. Uh-huh. It, it seems that way, yeah. So we go on to Santiago uh, kidnapping Darlene and taking her down to his car. And Dom has to give him the report that she wrote and finds it weird that he's not in. Uh, She finds Darlene's missing as well, and the camera has been disabled. And she goes down to the parking garage where she finds Santiago Santiago and confronts him about this whole weird situation. And Santiago knocks her out. Knocks her the fuck out. It was a good punch. 
The like sound the effects way, really helped. The way they filmed it and how like <laughs> he pulled it. I mean, he obviously pulled that punch, but right. But like the, the way the she sound. just dropped like a a, yeah. a a a bag of rocks. Yeah, it was. She just went instant limp and like her whole body kind of twisted. It was. I, I rewound and watched it a couple times. It was a really really good punch. Really it, good. It was. Like very very vicious and uh, traitorous <laughs> act by Santiago. Yeah, and it does kind of come out of nowhere. He's talking about, oh, there's all these cameras yeah, around. Like, I couldn't possibly boom. I mean, obviously that's the mess that he needs the Dark Army to clean up. Yes. Yep. All right, we go to Darlene, who is wait. We don't go to Darlene. Darlene isn't at the rendezvous when Elliot uh, shows up, and Elliot assumes she's with the Dark Army, but he doesn't have time to trace her location. He's kind of panicking here because he's uh, he's like got so much access to Dark Army, it's like too much. It's a needle in yeah. the haystack. He's there's you know he mentions the dozens of operatives in New York, and if he has to trace which ones are assigned to Darlene's ET, he just doesn't have time. No, and he knows he it's all lead. his fault, and he's kind of regretting everything and trashing the arcade here, knowing that his sister might die. Cuts his hand pretty badly on the popcorn machine. Yeah. Which I wondered, because, you know, that was a big smoking gun from season one, the the, the gun in and around the popcorn. I wonder mm-hmm. if him busting the glass on that, with them rebooting back to season one, if that's going to be significant. Like, did he... Yeah, I was trying to come up with some explanation he for that DNA shot. left DNA behind, but like his DNA would be all over that place, yeah. even after the FBI cleaned it up, I imagine. Probably. Why is um, no one lo- monitoring that location now? It's old. It's old intel. Yeah, but it just feels like that whoever, like, like you know, someone would shut the power off to it or whatever. Like, you know, it's got this, like, loophole situation that it still has power and it still has internet and all that stuff. Like, wouldn't someone <laughs> right. have shut that, you know, now that they've seen what yeah. a huge backdoor it is? At least shut down the power to that place. It seems pretty risky to keep returning to the scene of the crime. Yep. Uh, so he goes to the Ferris wheel where he's been many times before, where he kind of talked to Mr. Robot the first time. Like in season one, I know I saw him on this Ferris wheel. Right. Uh, to, he wants to get some info from Mr. Robot, and he tells Elliot that the FBI has a mole, which he kind of already knew, you know? <laughs> like It didn't seem like he got much new information here. He found out it was Santiago by following the yeah. clue because they went to Santiago's apartment, right? They do, yeah. Um, but no, I like this, like Mr. Robot asserting that you can't treat me like Alibaba and just rub the lamp and then shut me away when you're done extracting information. This is like the first. Yeah. It's not the first. It's just the latest evolution in the relationship. They're both ready to end this cold war they've been in since the end of season one. Yeah, and Elliot talks about you know being scared of Mr. Robot, how he's. He's worried that if he talks to Mr. Robot, he'll be manipulated by him. He'll do things he doesn't want to do, and so he tried to shut him off. But so it's so awesome the revelation of him realizing that as much as he is in Mr. Robot, yeah, or much as much as Mr. Robot's in him, he's in Mr. Robot. So like fundamentally, you can trust this character to not do something completely fucking crazy, right? Which like, comes like he full circle at the very end. He shouldn't do anything that you can't live with. Yeah. So in that way, in that case, you should be working together all the time. Right. No, it makes total sense. And it, it comes full circle, like I said, at the very end where Mr. Robot does have the backup plan that Elliot would have. Because that's what he would do. Right. Right. He, Mr. Robot is as much contained by Elliot as Elliot is by Mr. Robot. Which is 
elementary and kind of obvious, but like it's the show's done a good. You know, it's like the whole like you can really buy into the idea that Mister Robots is totally a separate dude. But and the show constantly reminds scared. you that like they're not different; they are the same right. person. And it's hard. I can understand why Elliot doesn't quite get that because he's very scared of the things he's doing as Mister Robot. Right. And and he he doesn't know what control he has over Mister Robot. And vice versa. Mr. Robot's very frustrated the lack of control he has on, on Elliot. Sure. Um, so Dom wakes up in Santiago's car as he's driving her and Darlene somewhere, which we don't quite know yet. Uh, Dom can't believe how Santiago has behaved, and he insists that nothing or insists that nothing would ever make her betray everything she believes. Santiago you know, gives her the speech about, oh, I had no choice. The Dark Army has a lot of leverage on me, and we immediately find out what they have over him when we cut to the renaissance photo <laughs> which is quite obviously the thing that they're holding over his head <laughs> we will release this to the public <laughs> it's i mean i i understand that like his mom's got some sort of cancer now i don't know well, what well i i think it, it, they've got the same thing over santiago that they use as leverage over dom which is so it's family. not about his mom's cancer it's I don't more think so. about just the fact that he's got this mom that he cares about yeah that they would harm if he were to it's it's funny because like i was completely on dom's side i'm like no dom would never turn traitor like this and then by the end of the episode i'm like oh okay i buy this yeah bobby Cannavale just chopped a man alive yeah uh that's that's some frightening shit i have more to say about that moral conundrum but uh but i really like the setup here yeah you're just like yeah yeah fuck yeah dom give it to this shit bag Mm -hmm. you know and and i like how by the end like you said it's twisted you know dom here very much believes what she's saying yeah and i think the the i i felt like i saw a lot of viewers falling into the trap of taking all the information we know and being like, oh, Dom's so stupid. How could she have not seen? And like, really? You're going to accuse your supervisor of being, of helping out a terrorist? Like, I felt like she was ready to go. Like, that's what the whole thing about, well, let's, let's talk to the ASIC, you know, yeah. or the ADIC. Uh, I feel like she had finally got there, but she was just a half step too late. And like, you know, what would it take for you to walk in on your boss to decide, like, right then and there you're going to go to the cops on him? Right. Like, what if you're wrong, you know? And yeah, you burn your own life down. Especially That's talking the about thing. the FBI where, like, you you know, I've always heard that FBI, like, the background checks they put you through is fucking intense mm-hmm. because they're trying to find people that could be have leverage put against them because it's a very right. important role. A federal investigation role is... You know, it's one of the things that safeguards our democracy and independent and like like investigation and prosecutorial branch. Uh, So you wouldn't just immediately uh, leap to, oh, this guy's fucking colluding with an international band of terrorist hackers. Right. It's so beyond the pale to even consider. And then. And then even right, she has the, trouble processing in the car. Like she's like almost sick about like, oh, my God, this is the raid in China. This is. Yeah. Uh, Cisco, this is like all these times we've punched ourselves in the face. It's because of you. And it's key what you said about like, what if she's wrong? Because this speech, this withering speech that she gives to Darlene, she'd have to look in the mirror and give herself that speech if she was wrong about it. Right. That she would burn her own career to the ground. Her own life would be ruined by herself. Right. It's not an easy choice to make. And I think Dom has been 
in my opinion, realistically getting more and more fed up with the situation and more suspicious. And now it comes to a head and it felt right. And hand in hand, like I praised all season long, Santiago has always done this really great job of just look like, how do you tell a difference between a dirty cop and someone who is just so protective of their own career? Yeah. And wants to get all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. Like I felt like he's really walked that line up until this last week and, where well, he now, was caught red-handed. <laughs> now the jig is up. Yeah, but that's why great. That's why uh, you know uh, Dom is in the back of this car with their hands cuffed, for sure. Uh, Mr. Robot and Elliot search Santiago's house for anything that would lead them to Darlene. Mr. Robot finds a red wheelbarrow flyer with a coat on it, but that kind of goes nowhere because Irving shows up to take them somewhere. Right. Uh, did you see what this code was all about? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, first of all, are they seriously using a fucking Caesar cipher to send codes? I, I really, it, they're just letter shifting here. That uh, can't be it. No, there was so A is one, B is two, it, 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 C it, is it, three. It, it does get it does eventually boil down to a Caesar cipher, but you have to do a little bit more uh, work before then. I thought. what was it exactly? I don't. I don't the, know. The, the quote is another one got caught today. It's all over the papers. Teenager arrested in computer crime scandal. Hacker arrested after bank tampering. Damn kids, they're all alike. Mm, which it's the movie hackers. Which is also the uh, Joe, Joey got arrested. <laughs> it's the opening statement of the Hacker Manifesto, which was a very famous ah, okay. editorial written in Freak Magazine back in eighties. After uh, uh, Mentor, which was a, a famous you know mid eighties hacker, got got arrested, uh-huh. and it's his kind of statement about like you know did I really commit a crime, and if I did, this is like how I got to be the place where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't, I, I think it's just a, it's a cool Easter egg. Cause like, obviously I don't think San Di- Santiago gives a shit about the hackers manifesto. Right. Um, but no, it's a, it's kind of a, of a cool little Easter egg. Uh, so one thing confused me in this, aside from the Renaissance photo of uh-huh. Santiago, um, there is, we're, we're treated to a scene of simultaneous searching of this place by both Mr. Robot and Elliot. Uh-huh. Which was interesting to me because we know that they're one person, one physical person. Oh, I got I got a bigger what the fuck later on in the episode. Okay. Uh that surprised me, I guess. But yeah. I Or the assume... fact that Mr. Robot was aware of like that's just, like that's like him subconsciously aware of like someone entering a room like because I I've been aware of that. Like there's something Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a sixth sense. Like when someone comes in a room, it's like something about the acoustics change or like it, it's a surprising how aware you can be that something else has entered the room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of really blurring the lines between Mr. Robot being a real person and not in this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, I also really like the meta commentary where Irving talks about, yeah, something can have a mediocre beginning or middle, but it has to have a <laughs> wow ending, which I feel like is a little bit of meta commentary about the criticism of Mr. Robot for season two. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. season two's eh, but like, this is fire and wait until the ending. We got like, like, like to me, this is Sam Esmail saying, if I deliver anything less than a wow ending that I can be pilloried in public and I won't have anything to say about well, it. Well, he delivered for me anyway. Well, I'm not in. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm call. I'm saying this about oh, the, on end- the entire series. Yes. Okay. Yes. This season, this microcosm, he definitely delivered. on. No season three. Like, after this Holy episode, shit, it's been good. We'll have to wait to see how it shakes out in the Baldies, but I kind of think this might 
get to number two spot. This is the best season of Mr. Robot. But it's real. Like I, I, I feel like it. I might like it better than Deduce. I might like it better than Stranger Things. Those are yeah, the right now. That was the top three until Mr. Robot came out of nowhere to start threatening. Sure. Like if it's not two or three, it's going to be number four in the Baldies for me. <laughs> okay, but I, I think to my mind, this is the best season of Mr. Robot. Oh yeah, it, I like it. I, it course corrected for all the stuff that i didn't like about season two it had a minor hitch last episode but i but what i don't even think is a hitch after you consider the entire season like season one i felt like the last two episodes really drug because it didn't feel like sam esmail was ready to drop the next thing yet yeah and honestly that that hungover continued throughout the entire second season yeah I'm not saying the second season is a waste because, like, I feel like he had to explore that space with Mr. Robot and Elliot to get him to this. But, you know. I, I just think there was a different way that season two could have been executed. Agreed. While still conveying the same information that would have entertained me more. But a lot of people love it. Um, it does it's, seem like it's that's very, a pretty, very divisive. I was going to say, it seems like that's a pretty big divide between whether you still think season one is the best or you think season three is the best. Yeah, I mean, everybody I've seen has said season three was awesome. Nobody's yes. out there like, oh, it's a follow-up to season two and it sucks just as hard or right. worse or anything. It's all been positive. So, yeah. And it's so damn bad because, like, this show, it started with a 70 share or a .7 oh, rating. Oh, no, man. And it's down to .4. Yeah. Four, that means for people who don't know, four hundred thousand people watching households. It? Yeah, yeah, apparently, which that's not great. It but, sucks. And I don't know what the Amazon Prime numbers are. Don't but. don't freak out because it did get renewed for season four. Yeah, so no matter what, we are getting another season. I mean, this is USA's Halt and Catch Fire, where it's nobody's watching it, but they're going to keep it on because it's right. critically acclaimed and it's one of the coolest things they've got I think going. it's got a real it's it, it's got a real potential to make some because that's the other thing is when they do this they hope that it gets some critical and emmy buzz that generates them some some yeah. notice uh i feel like they made a mistake by not having netflix pick this up by making it an amazon thing oh uh, yeah not giving the first two seasons to netflix so people yeah. can just binge it yeah because you kind of it's it's hard, not impossible, but hard to jump into season Ooh, three. It'd be real hard to just jump into season three and know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> they do pretty well with the previously ons, but yeah, that it's not one of those shows where you can just pick it up very right. easily, right? Because it it does more than many shows I've seen really build on the language it uses before. Yeah, like it takes all of season one to reveal the split between Mister Robot and Elliot, and then. Mm-hmm. It uses that to explore that relationship and fracture it to its ultimate point in season two before it begins to resynthesize and bring those things together in season three. And like, that's a fa- that's a that's a speeding train that you have to catch <laughs> if you just came in uh, with yeah. uh, Irving ordering a milk, wanting his free milkshake mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. Uh, I do like how Elliot has kind of already done everything he can remotely. Like, it makes a lot of sense. You know, he's not going to be an E to try and get to his computer he's just gonna hack into it yeah i also like the fact that like irving like they really up irving's power level in this episode which i thought was cool but like as elliot's reaching for anything he could use in his bag of tricks to manipulate or get an angle irving just cuts his dick off and says look any scheme you're thinking (laughs) just stop just stop and get in my car yep because hey because i'm not the guy you need to convince right like sure you convince me but i still gotta take you to white it's Rose. very samuel jackson my name's Pitt, and you uh-huh. ain't talking your ass out of it <laughs> right <laughs> uh 
Uh, and there's a detective book by Gore Vidal in this uh, scene that mm-hmm. he points out, Death Likes It Hot. I don't know what that has to do with the story. I thought somebody might find that interesting, though. Wasn't that... I thought that that, that that Death Likes It Hot was something that featured earlier in the season, wasn't it? Maybe. I don't remember. Okay. I thought that was another book that he had name-checked or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the book he was listening to as he was driving around because he just said, I just finished oh, this audio book. Yeah. Right, right. Gotcha. All right, so then we go to Angela. She has been taken to this very, very large house, and she's visited by someone who tells her, uh, offers her breakfast and says that Philip wants to speak with her. We, I don't think anybody was was under the, I guess, delusion that White Rose was going to talk to her. I think everybody knew this was not White Rose's crew. Yeah. I thought it was a mental institution. I thought she'd been committed by somebody. <laughs> by because, well, be no, perfect. because like I started thinking like, well, like she, like she, her, she, she ignored that phone call from her dad, and she's been acting sketchy. Like maybe her dad would like have her committed to a mental institution because mm-hmm. it seemed like you know a very nice, safe. But it turns out that I think this is just Philip Price's personal mansion, right? Yeah, and or a like, mansion like a, it is. His, Holy his, shit! His upstate New York retreat, maybe not yeah. a really a man, like not where he actually lives, but where he goes to unwind. <laughs> like one of his smaller houses, probably. where he has his illegitimate daughters taken when they get to be too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go back to Elliot and Mr. Robot being taken to the Dark Army property where Tyrell was holed up, and there they find Dom, Darlene, and Santiago. And Santiago tells Irving that he needs to clean up his FBI mess. And Irving takes Dom and Santiago outside, leaving Leon to guard Elliot and Darlene. So this is the scene where he realizes the White Rose is watching them. Yeah, the so I had to break this up weird because of all the intercutting I know. later on. I had to break it up weird, and I included yeah. that in a later section. Okay, but yes, okay. in fact, he does notice the camera here. Um so the the other blurring of the line of the reality of Mr. Rose and Elliot, or I'm sorry, Mr. Robot and Elliot, is when when Irving pulls up, Elliot's in the front seat, Mr. Robot's in the back seat. They both open the door and get out. <laughs> okay. Because I was really curious yeah. when I saw him pull up. I'm like, I wonder how they'll do this. They'll probably have Elliot get out of the back seat, and Mr. Robot will just scoot across the bench to get out with him. Uh-huh. But then Elliot's in the front seat. I'm like, what the fuck? And like, Mr. Robot opens and closes the door. So, what the fuck? Is that just, is that, is that Esmail having fun with us? Like, in, that's just Elliot filling in his imagination with, like, the, the well, Mr. Robot has to be that. Because, so like, it can't be anything else. Yeah, because if a third door just opened, like, Irving would be like, what the hell? It's a ghost, you know? <laughs> right. Fuck. He'd run screaming <laughs> into the woods. <laughs> Where's my I always ex? knew it was real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I wondered about that. And the other thing is, like, this thing's starting to get so reality-bending that I, I – part of me is thinking that when you – this is all done and you rewatch it a second time, you're going to see a bunch of shit like this to indicate that things aren't what they seem. But yeah. I don't have enough to even speculate on what that might be. Like, there's no fucking way. Like a way. further reveal for Elliot and Mr. Robot? Yeah, there's Robot. no fucking way that some, at some point it's going to turn out that Mr. Robot is real-ish. I mean, he could pull off his VR goggles and then right. there's the reveal. Yeah, but I mean, wake other up than in a that, pod full of goo with a weird spider robot unplugging exactly. it. Like, you just never know. Short of that, though, I can't imagine another reveal. Because there's so many ways you could stage that to not break that illusion. 
Sure. Like I said, just have uh, Elliot in the back and Mr. Robot gets out on the same side, like taxi cab style. Not sure why they didn't go to that. It's almost like it's so intentional. Mm. It's like they want you to notice it, but I have no idea why. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um, So (laughs) I I found it funny that this was – I thought, okay, they're going to take him to the same place that they took Tyrell. And they Mm. do, but they take him – like Tyrell's shack was already just that, a shack – and they take him to the fucking barn of the shack. <laughs> I'm like, they, and when they walk in and say, we've walked into some hillbilly shit here, I'm like, oh, yeah, you have. Yeah. You totally have. Yep. It's bad news. Uh, and I really love. Banjos all the way down. I love the overhead shot when they're driving in. That yeah. dro- I don't know if it was a drone or a helicopter, but either way, it looked like a drone to me. Well, it's another, like, we, we talk about that being kind of like a Kubrickian, uh, yeah. sh- the shining kind of detail. And yeah. it continues to, to be so. It was really cool, though. Um, so Irving takes Dom and Santiago to the chopping block, and this is kind of where we start to leave the the actual timeline of the show, and I'm going to break it into character focus here. Okay. Um, he takes them both out to the chopping block, and Dom thinks he's going to kill her, but he ends up killing Santiago and extorting her cooperation as the new FBI mole by naming and threatening her family as he chops away at Santiago's lifeless body. Oh, what a grisly scene. The yeah. blood spray, the the dummy that he's actively chopping at at the end. It's too bad they went with a really shitty digital effect for the first axe wound because it didn't it yeah. didn't even track on his body properly as he was moving mm. convulsing. It wasn't moving correctly. It's like uh-huh. I felt like almost a Snapchat filter. It was really bad, really bad. And I was prepared to give mm. it the business, but man, with Bobby Bobby Cannavale being like when he did that whole. Uh, Dom, I'm going to need you to verbally signal that you under. I forget, like yeah, the when he got to that, of the, the, Ranger, the whatever, that I'm yeah. At, yeah, like when he got to that point, I'm like, this is my, this is the Bobby Cannavale one. And see. his veins are popping. Shit, yeah, and he's they holding are. An axe covered in blood. Yeah, in <laughs> the the used car dealer getup. Yeah, it's fucking frightening. And it is. It is in in a way that like. Because the whole time when he's doing this, I'm like, I don't like. Why would this work? On but like when he's talking about, I guess what's the play here? I, I feel like she's making the right play, which is you work, you 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 get along until you've got them dead, you know, uh, flat footed, right. and then you spring like. But then is that what Santiago was trying to do? It didn't seem like it. But Santiago is also trying to protect Arlene, according to his words, and like I. I just feel like because the other thing is like him, but... I mean one thing because I feel like if you just blew your head off here that would end because I don't think they're gonna go and kill all your family, right? Like I don't right. think they're gonna What's go the kill purpose? Santiago's yeah. mom once they kill. So like that would be an absolute way to for and like or if you just said no, I just refuse. You're gonna have to kill me. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah, if you just if you find a way to off yourself, that's about the only way you can save yourself from this kind of extortion. Sure, or try and work um, under the guise of helping them. And actively work against them. That's how they get you. I feel like that's how the Dark Army gets you. They 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 allow you and your pride and hubris to think that you're going to be able to outcompete them, but right. you're just always one person with a massive secret dangling over your head, and they are this internationally well-connected, well-funded, well-equipped terrorist organization, and you're just never going to be able to outfight them. Yeah. And the stakes, if you try and fail, are horrific. For you and your family. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I... I don't know what Dom is really going to be able to do because, like Bobby Cannavale points out here, 
she is not the same rank. She's a lower rank than her boss, who they already had in her pocket or in their pocket. What can she do if somebody else steps in above her? Um, how much influence can she have for the Dark Army or even against the Dark Army? Don't you think it's going to like I feel like that's very early on next season. You're going to see that she's getting promoted to I would guess that Santiago's yeah. old position. Right. Like, you know, who Santiago himself has given her the speech, right? Like, oh, she's the most talented young. She's hungry and she's going to be ace, the youngest ace sack. Like, I just feel like that's just going to happen. But I feel like maybe the more interesting option is to put somebody in above her because that restructures the power balance where before, like, totally. her boss totally. was yeah, the yeah, one who's yeah, dirty. Yeah. Now she's dirty under a boss who's clean. Yeah. And she still has to do the Dark Army's bidding, bidding and she still wants to work against them. There's so many opportunities for her drama there. Get James Comey. <laughs> All right, let's we'll take literal FBI directors well, from the real world. Well, well, golly, Dom, I just feel like uh, you know you're not on the up and up with me. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. I don't know if he can act though. We'll uh, have to give him an audition. And find no, out. I don't. Yeah, you're right. He probably cannot. He probably cannot act. But the exciting thing is, she's not alone. Right? She has Dom, if or she has Darlene and Elliot, if she wants them. Plus, I really like Mr. Robot. Too. I, I liked her partner. I don't think her partner is as gifted as right. her, but like yeah. the guy who was hungry and wanted some lunch, like he seems like he's game. She might be able to go to him and, and tell and him. And you're like, right, Here's just having Dar. Although you know, I don't think she's going to accept much help from Darlene, but having yeah. having some people that she doesn't know that she can trust, but she can trust, is probably going to be a big big help. I think she knows she can trust him more than she can trust the Dark Army, mm-hmm. which is the key to them working together. Um, yeah. Also, the the extortion here could be entirely avoided by just hiring people who don't have families right that's tough i know it's, it like, limits your pool of talent because but... you start with no family and then there's nothing you can like unless you you know forbid breeding as part of your mm-hmm. employment there's like yeah that can, that can happen to anybody it's true it's true all right dom comes back inside life finds a way as, as one as one uh scientist implying she's it. gonna have dinosaur babies she is <laughs> she gonna is happen? it's gonna be half gummer half dinosaur <laughs> oh boy uh just the scaliest of gummers Velosa gummer all right gummosaurus rex gummosaurus rex comes back inside and elliot realizes white rose is watching them through a camera on the ceiling and that someone important must be coming and then White Rose's guy shows up. What is his name again? I, I think everyone's calling him Grant because that's the first Grant, name of yes. the guy who portrays him. Right. Um, but holy shit, his arrival. Yeah. His, 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 his arrival as, as like the Cambodian version of Nancy Sinatra's Bang Bang is playing. Yeah, like this is, I don't okay. know if that's actually what it is. It sounds like it. It's it's from this uh, singer Pan Ron, but she's a Cambodian hmm. uh singer okay this is one of her songs i could not pronounce the actual name of it but it sounds like that it's very the other major influence of this season i think is tarantino and this is a total tarantino move having this guy coming in from a weird cultural remix of a sinatra song with the sunglasses and he just looks badass but then he's instantly emasculated by irving which was also fucking cool Right, Irving gets gets him up to speed on the Dom stuff and tells him, I'm going on vacation, and then when he objects, uh, Irving sets the guy straight. What a fucking power move. How do you grab this guy's face? Who the fuck is Irving? That's what I'm saying. Like He instantly became a much more interesting character, and I kind of hope that he just, we never see him again. Irving? Gone? Yeah. No, I mean, I want to see more Irving, but I'd be totally fine if he's like, you never see him again, because this, uh-huh. you know, he's got a sabbatical, and White Rose is cool with it. 
But yeah, grabbing yeah. by the face, it like, fundamentally changes what I think of Irving. There is a there's a scene in the first episode of the new Twin Peaks series where Kyle McLaughlin grabs someone by the face for what feels like 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and I thought like, what a fucking power play, but. It blew my mind when Irving, who I thought was a middle manager fixer kind of guy at best, like right yep. around the rank of Leon, grabs Grant by the face, asks him if you've sucked White Rose's cock slash clit, whatever, whatever she's working mm-hmm. with down there, and then say, I was you before you were you. Fuck off. I'm like, glad we did this and calls him. The, like, it's he insults him in front of his men, and there's not a goddamn thing Grant can do about it. Do you think Grant knew this before? Or... I mean, he's got there, – there's something that keeps Grant uh, from just taking Irving out in this moment. Like, could be Bobby Cannavale's blood splatter. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, I'm going to check my facts before I go and and escalate this any further. Yeah, it could be that. But, yeah, I, I am surprised at how uh, – how easily Irving is able to just, I don't know, to just wrap this guy up. Yeah. I i really like that, though. Like, anytime you find something new about a relationship that you not even didn't know about but had no reasons to suspect, but yeah. it also felt I was instantly convinced. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the combination of Grant's um, allowing this to happen and just the electric performance that Cannavale put in here, just like that combination is like, well, yeah, of course he fucking just put the kibosh on all of Grant's bullshit. Right. And Cause what's, just what's the, the hell out of him. The downside of calling this bluff, if it's a bluff, uh-huh. is so much greater than the upside right. of calling that bluff. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm also curious how he's able to come and go as he pleases. Basically, you know, he talks about the sabbatical. Yeah, because when you think of organized crime, like I said earlier, you don't think right. of getting out of it, right? And I don't or, think or he's... being able to do what you want to do at any time, right? Right, of being able to like it's it's all when you don't think of doing happens, your time and being no. Free. Whenever that happens, it's always amazing. Like when Cuddy got out of the Avon Barksdale game in the wire, it's like, oh, that was okay. That was like and the a, Herculean that was a efforts moment. it yeah, took yeah, yeah. to do that. You know, right? Um. I I I'm you got to think like wow what is this relationship with White Rose that he is absolutely certain that he can get away with this yeah and he got out of the psychosexual relationship with the White Rose right with his life mm-hmm. but still working in the organization yeah no it like I said it fundamentally changes what I think of Irving and it raises so many questions about him now yeah that I just didn't have weren't even on my radar before yeah like suddenly he's Darth Vader in this universe and uh-huh. he had no idea so what's the tremendous upside that he mentions of having Dom is it that she has like a larger family to exploit oh I thought he meant the upside was that she's up and coming like maybe Santiago gotten as high as he'd gone but like we're back in this young horse who's a thoroughbred and like in, and she's way smarter than ups, he is. Ups, yeah, upside is like like a drafting term. Like you know, uh, there's the better player, but his ceiling's significantly lower than this other guy who's not as proven, but he's got a much higher upside. Okay, like so, I, I felt yeah. like it's more like he knows this is a bill of goods he's trying to sell Grant, and he's just trying to he's a used car. He's he's like he goes into used car mode. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I see why you know it's leaking oil and all that, but you know, sure. Okay, then we go to Grant um, coming into the barn. 
and Elliot tries to talk him out of killing them by first laying out their entire history of payoffs, murder, and blackmail. Just in the last 30 days. Right. They uh, paid Russia to hack the DNC, uh, yep. which, hello, real world. The uh, Philip Price Congo move. The, the, they, they backdoored the entire South Korean military? Yeah, apparently. That's interesting. Why would a country allow you to do that? What's the incentive? I don't think there's... Well, I don't know. Maybe like Irving came and threatened to axe hatchet their entire family. I don't. But I also, like back, like, I don't know. Against a why a, do you think that it was government? Why do you think the South Koreans allowed them? Like the the weird the word backdoor yeah. to me sounds like it's something they pulled underneath their nose. Okay, um, could be. But to me, like intentionally building backdoors into software is something someone has to do. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So. Like, they must be complicit in it, and I I don't know why they would do that. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, regardless, he says he'll reveal it all if they kill him, and then he offers to aid White Rose in getting her project moved to the Congo, which apparently she likes because uh, she has Leon kill all of the Dark Army and then gives a spare farewell speech to Grant before he kills himself, uh, and Leon immediately busts out a computer so Ellie can get to work on that Congo plan. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny, like... Oh, you got a plan? Here. Here's a computer, and I want you to do it right now. And Elliot does it in, like, five minutes. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty... Like, So the hack, I thought, was kind of, like, a fairly elegant that, like, Elliot's able to see all these moving pieces, and he sees that you can exploit this, re- this, this African relief effort to bypass, like, all these border security things to expedite the fact that you're trying to help people and, and essentially... Uh, hijack that for White Rose's purposes. Yeah. Um, I uh, thought it was that... humanitarian aid to Iran. Is that what they said? Was it? I thought so, yeah. Uh, I thought it was Africa, which would make sense of moving to, to Congo. Well, but I then mean, again, regardless, the, they're the moving Middle East it... is not, is just across the, the Red Sea from Africa. So yeah. we're. They're using the, the humanitarian shipments, the aid shipments to move the Congo stuff to a foreign country so that they can more easily move it. Over to the Congo, yeah, in in, in kind of an intermediary that is allowed allowed to have shipments from in, the U.S. Indeed, indeed, uh, yeah, and so that works out. Um, yeah, the whole I, like the fact that Elliot is this this good, he can do in one night what Grant couldn't do in three months with the full might of the uh, Dark Army. <laughs> right, that's pretty crazy. It's, it almost stretches credibility it a little almost, too far. But like, I guess the idea that he is such an unconventional person that can see things from such unconventional angles. Well, here's why I view it as not super credible is because White Rose is that herself. And and White Rose has had her finger in every... That? Because she has manipulated governments across the board and powerful people across the board, That the fact that she wouldn't look for humanitarian aid shipments and try and exploit that herself mm-hmm. seems a little bit blind to me like Hmm. tone deaf for who white rose is yeah but i mean they're nakedly asserting that that i guess i i'm surprised to hear you say that because i feel like i'm the one that's had more trouble with that but but now like i ultimately like in this moment when he stood up and says i own everything and i will Mm -hmm. and and what makes you feel that you're better because i am i did one night something that you failed to do for months like i guess that's the important thing i totally bought it i totally bought it she she has entrusted her underling with this or or her her lover whatever whoever he is 
Uh, seems like that's a special role in the organization. She always has this kind of paramour type of thing. Well, right, but she didn't have her own fingers in it, and that's the thing. Like with uh, Philip Price, with all the manipulation of the governments and the currencies, she had a direct role to play in that. With this, she delegated, and her delegate did not get it done. Yeah. Whereas I, I fully believe that if White Rose had had her fingers in this as well, it would have gotten done yeah. without Elliot's intervention. So she was backburnering this to shine on Philip Price, is what you're saying? Cause no, no, no. I, I just think that she, she was... could not possibly handle all of the moving pieces that needed to happen. Okay. And so she delegated, and that was a mistake because okay. her her delegate did not perform. Right. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, Do you think that at some point Elliot needs to be told what this project is, very similar to the way Angela was? I think we need to be told this project. We do, I yeah. Am, Next season, we have to learn. Like, I, I kind of feel like as good as the show is, like, I don't know, because that's the thing, like, good shows can get away with shit that, sh- that normal shows can't, but, like, the responsible critic and engaged fan of me wants to say that if we go through next season and we still don't know the nature of the Washington Township project, my 24 slash lost alarm bells are going to start going off. And I don't, I'm not sorry, not 24. My, my X files and lost <laughs> alarm bells are going to start going off. And I'm not sure how I can ignore those. I mean, that's one of the big because things a track that record I... for shows that continue to continue to ask ever more big questions and refuse to deliver on what is essentially the central premise on the show. They don't have great track records for ending in a satisfactory, well, slightly controversial viewpoint. But certainly, I don't think anyone would argue that the X-Files did a particularly good job of of, uh-huh. of, of rewarding careful fans' attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be real worried if we get through even mid-season the next year and don't know exactly what the fuck we're up against. Is white rose delusional is she actually a crazy person that's chasing the impossible or does she have you know tech that works sure i need to know that and elliot does too and we have a lot of people's opinions on that but we don't quite know enough because they're not really like like, form our own opinion yeah because we're about to talk about i'm sure but when phil you know as i watched philip talking about we're talking to Angela and nakedly talking about how he's trying to manipulate her and stuff. My my first thought is like, well, how the fuck do we know you're not trying to manipulate her now? That you're not trying to tell her a bunch of bullshit that about White or like you're too stupid to understand what White Rose is trying to do, or you're lying just to further manipulate Angela for your own selfish purposes. Like there's like I don't believe that everything he says is gospel. Okay. In fact, I don't even know that he I, – I don't know that I 100% believe that he's her father still because that would be an excellent way to manipulate Angela. Well, that was one of the things that I disliked so much about season two is that it it did not push forward what I view as the main plot at all. Um, and it, it kept us Fair. in the dark until the yeah. very, very, very end of the season Yeah. Um, on what what stage two was, right? Right. Um. If they pull that again and leave us till the very end of season four with this project still being up in the air, I will feel similarly disappointed, I guess. Right. In, in the, the pace of the season, because yeah. that is the going concern to me. There there are two going concerns. How is Elliot going to take down the 1%? What, what is his plan for that? And what 1%. is White Rose's project? Those yeah. are the biggest questions I have at this point. Okay. So I hope they start to fill in some answers and then let the story play out, but we'll see. Right. Uh, what do you think about Leon's role in this whole thing? Oh, uh, he's badass. Like, you know, his name's Joey Badass. <laughs> Hell and he, yeah. He delivers the goods. I thought that was super 
I mean, obviously he's acting under orders, but um, and he kind of thinks like, is was is there a better way to stop this than just shooting everybody in the head? But White Rose and everyone it works for her seems to be under the illusion that not, nothing is of permanence. Yeah, that's the thing. So this bathtub scene, we should talk about this speech that she gives to Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, "Know that I will find you as soon as our project is complete." Right. Uh, she truly believes that she's going to be able to bring back dead people here. Yeah. <laughs> what is this project? I'm so. I, I don't know. In one way, I'm like. It's a flux capacitor. You know, I'm antsy. I, I really, I just really, really want to know. And this is the best kind of suspense, I guess. Um, but if we had not had much else going on, I would be like, this is too long. We needed to know something by now. Did you look up what Grant said to her or said to Elliot before he shot himself in the head? No. Because he says this Chinese line, which I, is according just, to Reddit. It's tra- fuck you. Is, fuck, fuck you, Elliot. That's translated into uh, take care of her. Okay. Hmm. So does that mean Elliot is going to get some spontaneous advances next I year? I don't know. Maybe. Will Elliot taste the rainbow that is White Rose? Could be. Could be. I hope it's a. I, I hope it's a regular. I, I. I. I hope White Rose tastes like conventional Skittles. I don't want. I don't like that. I don't, oh, I don't yeah, like the wild the, berry or the tropical. The tropical yeah. thing. Nah, uh, 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 no. This regular Skittles is fine, please. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to Angela. She's speaking with Philip. He explains to her that White Rose has manipulated her to get petty revenge on him. This is kind of a little out of order. But well, he, I mean, because that's the thing, like, this, this, everything that we just talked about yeah. is masterfully edited and riffle shuffled like a 52-card deck of cards right? in with the other one. Like, almost like every other sentence. And that would, is normally maddening. Yeah. But it was spellbinding here because I was so invested in, like, I felt like I knew what was going on with Angela, but I, I still thought that the performances were good enough and... Angela's been acting so bizarre that I was kind of interested in seeing how she takes this. And also, I was hoping that that the whole time Price would actually give me some concrete information about White Rose. But, man, they just effortlessly interleave these two completely disparate events and people and circumstances and stakes yeah, in I a mean, way this, that was enthralling. And Mr. I, Robot has nailed that throughout this season. Yeah. Um, I think it's back to so like when good. Dom discovered Tyrell's hideout, right? Yep. That those three things were riffle shuffled together so seamlessly. Yep. Um, and, and I like how the themes kind of support each other in these scenes where like you've got Elliot talking about honesty with Grant, right? Right. right. This, am I being more honest for you now? And on the other side, you've got Angela being told, you've got Philip coming clean to Angela about being her father, giving her some honesty here. I uh, potentially. Maybe we should talk about whether or not he's lying. But, um, yeah, I I like how they kind of shuffle not only the scenes but the themes together. Right. Um, So, yeah, he he explains that White Rose manipulated her, and he tells her the story of meeting her mother before finally revealing that he's her biological father. Angela admits to her father that the bombings were her fault and gets very sad about the lies that she believed. And then she asks Philip for retribution on White Rose, and in response he tells her, to accept that she's been conned and find a way to live what she did, live with what she did. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I feel like unless I have concrete evidence otherwise, I don't believe anything that Philip says. Okay. 
That that seems reasonable because it's context. It's it's all set in the context of him coming clean about the manipulations he's done on her thus far. To right. me, that's just a dead giveaway. And this could be him striking out for that petty revenge against White Rose. Exactly. Like I'm going to reflip you to my side. Right? Yeah, that's that's exactly the point I was trying to get to. But this is something that a lot of people, when we had the the Angela flashback, were speculating about: Is Philip her real father? And I remember is White Rose I think her real both father. Both of us were not big fans of that. No, we weren't. That idea. And I I really, I'm only like reflexively kind of against that idea because it feels like too matchy. I don't need everybody related to everybody and all these connections. You can't make a world feel too small. Like the Star Wars prequels, when you find that Yoda and and, and Chewbacca used to hang out together, I'm like, really? Uh In a galaxy of quintillions across 120 (laughs) light years... This Jedi Master hung out with the guy who eventually owed a life debt to Han Solo. Right. Really. It seems a little too convenient for me. And and Luke's dad, one of the most important people in the galaxy, made C-3PO. Like, like some of this stuff is just like, come on, stop the bullshit already. I don't have a real great argument against it other than that emotional one of yeah. it feels a little too matchy. I felt like in the moment, though, it felt right. And I don't, have a, I don't really have a problem with it. No, and I think the performances really are really good here. Um, Portia does a great job. I don't know. Chili, Chili Dad. What, what's his name? I have Philip no Price. idea. Philip Price. Chili Dad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, yeah, I they did a good job, and also like because again, I don't like. I did not. I have not liked the sleepwalking, childlike, broken-minded, uh, Angela. Right. Uh, and I I feel like when she's sobbing here that she's like getting emotionally reset and 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 you know maybe she's being freshly manipulated by Philip Price but she's going to be a more interesting character to me mm-hmm. and she's the one that like I want her and Elliot to talk about what White Rose's plan is or how like it might not be her real plan uh, but like what is what does Angela understand about it yeah. and also there's like isn't there like thirty some minutes that. This conversation that happened between White Rose and Angela that we weren't privy to that like completely flipped her script. I would love there to is, know yeah. like what that is, or maybe we can see Elliot go through it next year, right? And how you know her doppelganger or potentially herself. Oh man, can you imagine she if she gets if White Rose brings in Elliot and she's about to tell him her plan? She's like, I need to I need to speak to the other guy, and it goes to Christian Slater, and we're not privy to any of that. <laughs> You know, okay. like yeah. 31 minutes later, hit the camera shakes and it's back to Elliot. And he's like, what, what What? just happened? I'm like, ah, I smell, you know. Yeah, I can see that happening. Well, I hope not. <laughs> but if it's done this well, fuck it. Yeah. Like I'm saying, like a lot of this stuff, if you just told me bullet points, I'd been like, oh, Christ, this finale is going to fucking suck. Mm-hmm. But when you see it all put together, set the music and shot impeccably and acted ex- ex- expertly, it's 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 great. Yeah, and I mean, as much as they're leaving ambiguous, they are also, in other areas, pushing forward. And that's the thing that, to me, distinguishes this season from season two, because season two, I felt like I got no answers. Yeah, I, I was only raised further questions. In season three, I feel like they've been doing both, and that is important to me as a viewer. Totally. So, having executed the Congo plan, Elliot uses Dom's credentials to gain access to Sentinel, Dom runs into Darlene and tells her that she's a monster for ruining her whole life and she deserves eternal torment, I guess. Uh, Elliot searches the Sentinel files and finds out that Romero didn't back up the files. Someone else did. I I can't believe Elliot's... This is Elliot's wet dream. Like, Elliot has never 
been given easier access to a system and at the same time like harder access right like everything he's been through to now has brought this access but ellie's just sitting there while dom signs into her computer yeah and it's double so clicks mad- the sentinel file it, for it's him. so matter matter of fact yeah yeah no it's great uh and then there's this this tremendous scene with dom and darlene pure and utter agony yeah i want your rest of your life be pure don't don't ever think that you're a good person live with that and die my, with you that. have ruined my whole life because of you live with that and die with that and she's just yeah grace gummer <laughs> is really fucking good it's incredible now did you think that there was a chance that they're going to leave who actually did i i was actually starting to groan like oh god next season or after and then like nope instantly they kept they revealed that it was mr robot which i kind of yep. suspected one of the reasons it, I it could outright. only be two people tyrell or mr robot yeah because anyone else they're already dead and it doesn't you know it can't be trenton because she's the one that clued him into it so yeah 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 um i guess it could have been tyrell couldn't it have yeah he was at the hack like i'm trying to think of who could have done it and we know that he had the key logger installed but it had to be someone like local right and it was mr robot okay we we go to elliot riding the subway home with darlene um she brings up the time that he asked her about kevin McAllister, the snowman and he says that's the night the dad pushed him out the window he wanted to talk about it. But Darlene tells him their dad didn't throw him out the window. Elliot snapped and jumped out, which I think was a pretty big fan theory. That was kind of on everybody's radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of inconsistencies in Elliot's story, and we find out that they were, in fact, there for a reason. Yeah. And the fact that this also kind of tracks because it seems like something Elliot would do to take the pain of losing his father and recontextualizing his father as a monster so that he can replace that, that, that pain with anger and hate. Um, yeah. but boy, it must've been tough for, uh, for Mr. Alderson. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It makes, and you think back of that, that movie scene and uh-huh. like how fucking brutal it is to die with that. Like the fact that you've just not been able to reach your son. And you're not going to be able to help him. Yeah, and I like the the sort of mirror image here of Darlene and Elliot. Like, Darlene in this episode has to deal with the realization that she has totally ruined someone's life. Um, and, and Elliot's kind of coming to a better understanding of himself and, and how his father wasn't the monster that he thought. There, right. There's kind of like a... Yeah, crossing of paths here. Also, simultaneously, to reveal that Mister Robot is not as scary as he thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought all that stuff really was good, and it kind of put a bow on all the development they've done, really for the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, and Darlene has but a nice the, moment here. What's that? I was gonna say the other thing is like we've never seen Elliot be scary, like a little bit, like when he grabs Darlene or, or Angela, Angela or something yeah. like that, but like. This little boy version of Elliot's capable of taking a baseball bat, throwing himself out of the window, like doing like like yeah. Elliot Elliot could go to really dark places, and I wonder if we will see that ere this series is over. Like like Elliot be we terrifying. Could, especially with that after credits sequence that we'll mm. get to. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Um yeah, but I like Darlene's moment at the end where she tells Elliot, Look, I trust you just like Trenton did. Right. Um she clearly sent this email because she trusted you. Right. Uh, basically letting him know that he, there are people that he can lean on. Yep. You know, and, and the idea that she is his memory, essentially. Yep. Um, she's there to kind of have his back. She's and I like his, that. Her, her, his burnt CD. Yep. So Elliot decides to ride the train a little bit longer, and Darlene leaves. And he uses that time to talk to Mr. Robot about why he exported the keys. 
Mr. Robot thinks they should see this thing through, but Elliot needs to fix it for himself so he can live with himself. And he also has a new mission, which is to take down the 1% who rule the world. It's the, basically the, all of the them. The 1% at the 1%. Right. So he's 0.01%. But he's dealt with the, like, 0.0001%, which is White Rose, and he's not had much luck. So yeah. I don't know about this taking down the full 1% or right. 0.1% here. Right. Yeah, good luck. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because, like, now yeah. he sees the enemy a lot more plain, and he knows that it's not... E Corp is just a symptom of the fuckery going on. Yeah, that he has to actually. And the thing is, is I guess what what Elliot still doesn't realize. Mm-hmm. And I and the yep. other thing is, that's scary about it is his mantra in the beginning of this episode, where he's like, "I brought this on myself. I'll never learn. I brought this on myself." On that, he like repeated that, "I'll never learn." Yet we're supposed to get all pumped up about him going after point oh one percent. Like, but he's gonna, you know, what what? How is this gonna blow up in his face? I mean, it's remember that scene with Irving where they're looking at the the rooftop party, mm-hmm. and he essentially says, "Those yeah, these, those are can the ever, people can never cancel these people's party." Right, they, they're going to party regardless of what you're doing, and and if you kill, like, let's say you walk into that party and you kill all those people, mm-hmm. more people are going to rise to take their place. This is a systemic thing. This is not the. I mean, it is the people's fault, but it's not just the people's fault who right. are doing it. Um. I I wonder if he's going to fight it from a systemic, um, uh, I guess, a systemic sort of way, or if he's going to look at these people as the problem. Because I feel like well, one could be effective, the other is certainly doomed to fail. Well, failure. that's why I was getting with the I'll never learn, is like, even if you take down to 0.01%, like... Mm-hmm. Is the problem the disparity in the division of wealth... That allows wealth to be concentrated because, like, at best you would de- you would fix things for a generation or two. Right, that's what but I mean. But you, yeah. you always have to have, like, you'd have to have. It's it's kind of like Batman. What happens after Batman dies? You know, unless you have yeah. you've groomed another Batman, then what the hell? So, like, that's the thing. Like, it's it's this struggle will never. I don't think it will ever end. Right. Unless you know, White Rose has some kind of cosmic mind control, time manipulating. Uh, the universal simulator thing that can fix can, can fix all this, <laughs> but as a scene, it it is super effective to get us pumped up for the next phase of, sure. of Mister Robot. Sure, um, and it's it's honestly something that I have been looking forward to for a very long time. We've been talking about it all season. This seems like the inevitable outcome where Elliot realizes that the the fight he needs to fight is not against this this perceived society, but against the people. Who are making it that way, right? And and it might be a flawed plan. It it might be the wrong target to attack, but that's kind of what we've been waiting Elliot for Elliot to do, right? Um. So Mister Robot tells him that he copied the keys in case they were wrong, but also because it's what Elliot would have done. And with the help of Superman and Doc Brown, Elliot decrypts the keys and emails them to Ecor. Yeah, I love the fact that Superman's literally turning the time back, yeah. and the the key was embedded <laughs> in the Marty McFly and Doc Brown uh, Halloween costume. Uh huh. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, it's also good. And the when he goes to send the keys to E Corp, the email he addressed that he's using is Falcon's Maze at protonmail.ch. Okay. Falcon's Maze is the the first game in the list of war games that Matthew Broderick stumbles onto. Oh. It's the one that kind of leads him to Stephen Falcon. I got gotcha. you. I yeah. got gotcha. you. Or gets him caught up in that quest. I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you get Superman turning back time. Is that relevant to 
the story as a whole? Do you think this is like hinting at the the further development of the project of White Rose, or is this just it works both turning ways. back five nine? It works both ways. Like all like like yeah. Sam Esmail could say in a straight face, well, yeah, this is all metaphor about uh, you know, even the episode shut down dash R is a way to reboot, reboot a system. A yep. system. Uh, so. Again, Sam can stand up in a straight face and say, well, all this time travel metaphor and, and, and going back to the future and all that stuff is, is a symbolic of us rebooting to season one. But now, you know, it's kind of like uh, there's been some of those video games like like Star Control 2 is a good example. Like I remember I played that and I fucked it up so bad that I could I got to a state I couldn't win. <laughs> the Urquans were the coming Urquans, in. Yeah, <laughs> there's like, oh, shit, the Urquans is going to take over the galaxy and I guess I can just watch. All right. right. Go back to a previous save, try again. Now I know what I got to do. I can do it. Like I, it, yeah, it there's felt, very much that feel. It here. felt a lot that like I now I, I fucked up the first time, but I'm going to set it back now. There's already many, many signs that this is not going to be the magical system restore that we think it is. Like, like right. that's like my top dab. That one thing that that the acronym I use to describe when there's dissonance between what this, the show is sh- telling me is true and what I perceive to be true with my knowledge of socioeconomic politi- political stuff and mm-hmm. the idea that the the country can be in an economic shambles for months and martial laws be declared. And then you can just reset the financial system back to the time before that happened. Like there's been so like so much lost productivity and money. And I don't, you, that's like one of those, all the King's horses and all the King's men, not sure you can put that back together again. And and I think that's important to, to keep in mind going into season four, because I'm not entirely certain that the show is just going to let Elliot get away with this. I don't think, and again, I think a lot of the after credit sequence, other than introducing Vera back and, and getting his hype for that, was the show calling bullshit on itself, which sure. I really yep. enjoyed. Yeah, like the pro the, the prostitute was Aaron saying, "I don't <laughs> right. know about all this. And I don't, you know, I don't know if Marx is the solution, but like I do like the fact that somebody in universe is like, okay, but." great now i got a bunch of student loan debt also the economy is still going to be in a shitter and i don't know i could i'm afraid that they will have it be a clean reboot Hmm. and that won't make sense but i'll swallow it because i like the show but i'm hoping that season four is even more of a clusterfuck because you've undone it it hasn't really made any difference and also you're trying to fight the dark army or work within the dark army or I, i don't know I'm trying to see how White Rose's plan meshes with E-Corp and E-Coin. Because White Rose is clearly cool with this whole 5-9 thing going back to the way it was. And cool with it not. Like, I think that you could say that White Rose gives no shits either way. But what purpose did that serve? I, I guess to get the annexation of Congo. Yes. Which was the ultimate goal all along. Yeah, if, if yeah, like White Rose will do whatever Elliot wants as long as he can deliver on that. But but there was absolutely no reason at that point for her to give Philip the vote for E-Coin, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why someone who's going to spite him in this very petty way, uh, why she would vote for, or why she would convince China to vote for the E-Coin thing, or I guess abstain from the vote or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Why? Why? Why give Philip anything he wants in that case? After he's already given you the thing, the thing that so you, you can wanted. have him making kissy faces at you in the Mar a Largo bar as your slide. I mean, like, does it amuse him to be like, "Oh yeah, wow, we really work together," and as you're fucking him? 
I don't know. Something that small as 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 Philip Price. That's the thing. Like, it's so weird because simultaneously for White Rose, the stakes are huge and cosmic and also mm. just really petty and banal. Yeah. Which is a, it's a I fascinating pin- character portrait. I, I thought I had pinpointed that as a weakness in White Rose, but right. it doesn't seem to have played out that way. And also, yet. like I felt like she genuinely like we need to talk about this too. But like I felt like there was genuine emotion in her goodbye to Grant, and, yeah. and like you know this wasn't like a disposable asset. Sure. Which that's the thing. Like White Rose is a really fascinating complex. But she film. doesn't believe she's disposing it. Is the thing that's the, and, the and, fucked up wrinkle is, in time. But here. is she crazy or yeah yeah right yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, so that after credit sequence, uh, we get Darlene talking to a hooker and about like, you know, reversing a five nine and how that would affect them economically. And then Vera shows up looking for Elliot, right, at his front door. And if you forget, Vera is the guy from season one who had, uh, <laughs> who Elliot like sent to prison, I think, and then broke him out. It and was then so it was Shayla's drug dealer had made him kill his brother. It was, it was Shayla's drug dealer, and he found out. Uh, Elliot found out that he was drugging and raping her and uh-huh. beating her repeatedly. And Elliot cracked his Twitter code uh-huh. that that allowed him to put together like you know police like like, like and, and turn that all to the police. So it's like kind of like uh, his Twitter quote unquote code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what was it? It was some stupid shit. Yeah, it wasn't very clever. Like seashells or bullets uh-huh. and stuff like that. But like it, it, it's allowed him to blow. Like he was running this this black market in plain sight and the cops right. found him and arrested him and then there was this plot that he has to get him out of prison or Shayla's going to be dead and it turns out Shayla's dead in the trunk the whole time this guy's a bad mm. dude right don't know why he's doing back I don't know how he's connected to the overall plot it seems like a fundamentally less interesting place for the show to go but fuck me if I'm going to second guess Esmail at this point sure yeah season three has a uh, renewed my trust yeah, in in the creators of this show, and the fact so. that he can learn from things that don't that that don't work, and you know things that 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 could work, and yeah, this has felt um, that all all altogether much tighter and more important season. Absolutely, I think you know the combination of moving the plot forward while keeping certain things, key things, ambiguous. Yeah, with like having a lot of action uh in povs most importantly povs that we can trust Mm -hmm. i never felt like i was having the wool entirely pulled over my eyes this season which left me as a viewer much more grounded in the story whereas season two i never found my footing at all and it felt very disorienting and i did not like it yeah so return to form for mr robot this season in my opinion uh and i am super excited for season four can't wait for it yeah yeah uh, what else we wanted to do? We 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 talked about. Did we talk? We we've we've already talked about. Yeah, we talked about the whole thing. Okay, let's uh, get on to some feedback. Yeah, did you? It threw me when the prostitute referred to as those damn essays. I never thought. Vera, I thought Vera was like Eastern European, but apparently yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be Latino. I guess. I don't know. Hmm. He's oh, or. <laughs> Maybe she has. He's actually she more has not he's, pinpointed what he is. I don't know. Yeah, he's, uh, he's more Franco from fucking Spring Breaker than he is anything. <laughs> he sure is. He just needs some long stringy dreads. Yeah, like he's 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 a man without a country. He's just <laughs> like from Douchestan uh-huh. or <laughs> something like that. The People's Republic of Douchebag. God. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to uh, Elliot mixing up with this guy. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hey, before we get to feedback, I want to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is Sonos. 
And Sonos uh, wo- would would like with the opportunity to fill your house with beautiful music and awesome sounds from your television because that's what they do. They sell a bunch of wireless speaker technology. It's awesome. You got a home theater experience. You got whole house, uh, whole house uh, party dance remix p- possibilities. You don't have to run any crazy uh, speaker wire anywhere. It's not does it, it, it uses Wi-Fi, not Bluetooth, so you don't lose your signal when you're going from room to room, or if someone has to leave temporarily DJ parties mm-hmm. or DJ D, DJing your party. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when the DJ goes to the bathroom and the music yeah, cuts starts out. wobbling out or like you guys like yeah. you, you, a lot of times I'm the DJ or if I go out and flip burgers it starts cutting out and that's not cool. You want it you want it to be everywhere. Plus this the audio mesh you can you can stitch with Sonos is truly impressive. You can have these boxes across different rooms, you can label them as such, and you can have each room playing something individually or you can have them all playing the same thing. It's mm-hmm. great for parties, it's great for home theater, especially if you've got uh, s- installs like mine where it's not easy to run those cables. All you got to yeah. do is plug it in the power, download the Sonos app, and within minutes you will have uh, a very, very nice home theater setup going. It's, yeah, it walks you through the whole thing. It's super easy to set and, up. And, and like all the individual speakers just sound amazing because I've got uh, I've got the, the the bass unit, I've got the the the, the sub units, and I've got a bunch of these uh, the one speakers. And the new version of the one speakers has Amazon Alexa baked right into it what can you mm-hmm. do with amazon alexa what can't you do with amazon alexa if i were the cheesiest man alive can you undo the five nine hack uh can, can you send an email to ecorp absolutely you can you could you could you absolutely can send emails through it you can send text messages through it yeah um i think you were telling me about how your son has taken to calling you yeah he was the... somehow he was able to make a call through uh just like found the relevant app and made a phone call through this through this uh this uh-huh. thing uh, but but more germane to the point you can use it to skip tracks sure you can use it to increase the volume and it's super awesome in like a kitchen setting where your hands are busy yes. And you might not be able to just go run over and 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 grab your cell phone and do something. Uh, and it's 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 obviously good for Amazon integration, like ordering things, mm-hmm. getting updates on news and weather, things like that. Uh, and, and, and you the probably voice- noticed it throughout the season of Mr. Robot. There is actually a a tie-in with Mr. Robot that they do called the yeah. Daily Five Nine. If you say Alexa, give me the Daily Five Nine. Yeah, like Dom did right. um, in her apartment. That is actually a thing that works, and you can play a game with it. It's kind of neat. So be like Dom and, well, no, we can't be like Dom anymore because she sold sold her soul she did, yeah. to the Dark Army to keep her four-year-old nephew from getting his, his, his chest hatcheted open by one crazy Bobby Kanaw volley. It would have been really funny if they if But if you, don't have, had, like, if you don't have any Asian hacker gangster connections, then literally nothing can go wrong. Be, be, <laughs> be like Dom and, 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 and get Alexa up in your life. Sure. Through Sonos' speaker technology. Right now, it's cheaper than ever to do that because Sonos is offering the listeners of Mr. Robot 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. So like, let's say you already have Sonos products. You can go there and buy speaker stands, which yeah. I'm about to do myself. Uh, it's offer, The offer is available for a limited I time only. one because the one thing – I got the, my basement – Basement has no Sonos coverage, and boy, it's you could get one down there easily. I, I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of this offer that you're you're in the okay. middle of pitching. <laughs> awesome. So want to get in there? You hey, spe- well, fuck you your speaker span that stands. I still want speakers. You better do it quick because it's available for a limited time only, and it can't be combined with other discounts or promotions. So don't even try. Um, but if you use the promo code Robot Ten, it's capital R O B O T one zero at Sonos.com. 
you can get that offer. Uh, take advantage of it. Ten percent. That's a deep cut. That's like yeah. hatchet to your chest kind of cut. That's that's. But 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 yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. Sonos is awesome. Tis the part of the podcast where I pitch clubs. Baldmove.com. Uh, if you go to club.baldmove.com, you can. And I promise you, hardly any singing. Yeah, this there's, we've done the singing Christmas already. This is not the one. There, there's hardly any singing in the club, uh, so don't let that put you off. But you can. But but what it is, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of support because the only way we can do shows like uh, uh, Mr. Robot uh, and other shows like it, the smaller boutique shows, is because people actually uh, support us to let us do this on a full time basis and take the time to do the detailed analysis and read the feedback and watch the show and take all the notes and and produce this podcast and get it to you. Your, your your iPods and your Androids and, and otherwise just into your ear holes is is the club. It's it's our primary uh, source of revenue, and we're proud of that. We're, we're primarily a listener-supported podcast. Uh, and you can go to club.baldmove.com to get a bunch of extra features like ad-free podcasts. So you don't have to listen to me pitch this, this painful singing club stuff again. Uh, you can get extra bonus content and video versions of our podcasts. Uh, we just did... Uh, podcast on Star Wars, as I mentioned in the outset, and if you want to hear the spoiler version, the only way you can do that is be a club uh, is be a club member. All kinds of other stuff. There's a pitch for all those things at club.baldmove.com, and and if that's not good enough, you can try the whole thing for 30 days for free. Check it out, club.baldmove.com. Uh, we have feedback since this is our last podcast, uh, not just for Mr. Robot, but pretty much for the year, but for, ever for, for 2017 uh, oh, until okay. we come back for 20 for restart of coverage in 2018. Uh, I'm going to give you the email in case you like to send us some feedback, but uh, we will not be coming back to consider it until next year, um, assuming we get. I mean, like so that's the thing. Mr. Robot has been has, has been confirmed to get a fourth season. I have not heard anything more like whether they said, "Hey, wrap it up, Sam," or "We'll give you another and you can leave it open ended," or yeah, um, I, I haven't heard that, but we are going to get a season four. Um, yeah. Email, by the way, robot at baldmove.com. The other thing I want to discuss before we get to the feedback was there was a little discussion in the Reddit about how this would have worked as a series finale. I felt huh. like it wouldn't have been the worst season finale or series finale if it I, had I don't to be know. this way. I mean, still leaving the, 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 the looping the nature of it felt kind of right it would have felt right if they never sure. got another season i think he could have ended it here but i would have still had very many questions sure. like what is white rose's project being like number one your preference we don't even know what it is let alone whether or not it would work your preference would you rather esmail be forced to wrap things up next year or would you rather him having another two seasons to wrap things up or do you think you should keep going for seven <laughs> no definitely not any longer than five i why do you I say that does that just your like gut feeling of how long you think the story can go yeah i mean the i'm not i don't know it depends on what they would reveal in season four or what extra story they could tack onto it but it honestly feels like maybe a season of setting up a plan for attacking this one percent as he says mm-hmm. and also finding out what white rose's project is and whether or not it seems even close to feasible. Um, and then a season for like executing on that plan for the 1% and finding out whether or not White Rose's plan worked. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I like, think that the two a two season arc could work here. If White Rose is delusional, mm-hmm. then I think they can wrap it up in one season. Yes, but if White Rose has actually got some kind of fucking Doc Brown shit going on, I almost think it needs to. Right, because it would take almost a whole season to expose that and come to grips with the whole scope and like what it's supposed to be, and then another season to like fucking shut it down and return to normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the thing. Like you know, any hero's journey. The hero arrives essentially back where he started, but with a new piece of information or a new outlook on life or something like that. And I think uh, we need, importantly, we need some backstory on White Rose. Why does White Rose want to believe that this is true, whether it is or not? And um, what's that, what's driving her? Feeding her entire obsession with time. Exactly. Like that's like it's not. It's 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 almost like. She's a bit of a Batman villain, mm-hmm. like her thing. She's Calendar Man, as calendar, it calendar Woman. Yeah, uh, she's just the big bad. Yeah, That's and she's she got like you know, kind of offbeat. Her her gang members all wear masks, right? Uh, she's got like a non traditional kind of like look and outfit, and 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 it's a little little also a little bit of Two Face in there because she's got the dual Zang and White Rose personality, mm-hmm. or, or one is the mask and one is like it is very surprisingly superhero when you think about it even elliot elliot's elliot with his chinos and his levi's dockers and then he is mr robot as soon as he he, he throws <laughs> up the hoodie <laughs> yeah uh and cinches that down on his face like there's that's the really cool kind of like boring ass well-grounded internet superhero but i dig it mm-hmm. i really dig it but they've revealed so much about the other characters that i now find myself left only with white rose as the enigma and mm-hmm. that's that's what I want to explore in the next one or possibly two seasons. Right. Yeah. Evan from Atlanta. Uh, first off, I got to get a top dab rant in. I've loved season three, but the final subway station scene felt like such a fucking cartoonish wave the wand and everything's back to normal economic impossibility of an ending. The terrible Mr. Robot Elliot dialogue married with some of the oh so modern alt band shouting an audibly song, the type of song that seems to have 50 incarnations. I literally cringed out loud. How do you cringe huh. out loud? Your face, your face folds in such a way that the wrinkles of skin hit at the speed of sound and make like a like a, a whip a whip crack. I think it's the <laughs> the sucking air through your teeth sound. Mm. You cringe so hard it's audible. That's that's a yeah. that's a pretty big cringe. There are many ways to deliver a cathartic, satisfying ending within the same plot without doing such hand holding, cutesy amateur dialogue delivering direction. There's nothing cinematic or creative or even remotely interesting about the final reveal scene as Mr. Robot explains he did 5-9 all along and saved the keys and they watered the hell down by embedding it into a fucking Back to the Future dad and son photo. You're wrong. You're just you're just wrong. Uh, just copy and paste, son, then the whole world economy goes reverse. Yippee. They sound like Angela. And finally, in an honestly <laughs> hilarious meta move, you get Esmail mitigating our complaints as he embodies the audience in a hooker. The economically woke hooker at least, but still didn't feel like nearly enough antidote for the toxic 10 minutes prior. Huh. I felt exactly the opposite about it. As creator and, and uh, uh, I don't know, Omsbudman of the Tot Dab system, mm-hmm. I agree because, like, it's not, I'm not going to get shitty in a Tot Dab way until I see Esmail actually pretend as if the magic wand has been, had been waved and right. everything's going to go back to normal. I don't think that's going to happen. 
Okay. No, for, this for scene, all the reasons this I've in, already outlined. Here's the thing. This in scene is not about if you think it's about fixing five okay. nine. Because I was gonna say I, that's that's my attack on the the face of the argument, but then there's the subtext, which I think you're about to do. Yeah, into. this is not about fixing five nine. This is about fixing Elliot. Yes. You you have to understand that Elliot feels immensely guilty about this whole thing. And that undoing the damage he did in whatever capacity he can is the only thing that's going to keep him sane. Yeah. In any way. And keep him from just killing himself. Like, he was ready to kill himself two episodes ago. Right. you got to understand that. And I, I yeah, think... Yeah, this is the unfracturing of his psyche. Right. A little bit. Regardless of whether it works or not, this is mm-hmm. the thing he has to do for himself. Right. Right. So I'm hoping that it doesn't work, honestly. I'm hoping it doesn't go as smoothly as he plans. Yeah, that's certainly the most, the more satisfying, interesting interpretation of that. Yeah, and this episode says nothing about that. So don't get too mad about that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's plenty of time to lose our shit about Todd Dab next year. We'll see. Dan from Cleveland, which I hear rocks. Hmm. Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Dom this episode. In this episode, Santiago praises her for being this great up-and-comer. Up and up and gummer. Oh Jesus! Up and gummer at the FBI. Yet Can I s- cringe audibly at that? <laughs> yeah. Yet in the sea of red flags, she lacks any common sense that you would expect even the simplest of agents to have. The events leading up to Dom confronting Santiago in the parking garage should have convinced her to see something, say something to I don't know anyone in the FBI building. The incompetency of the FBI and Mister Robot Universe ranks dangerously high in the tot dab scale. Hmm. Uh, will it be the tot dib? Because it's, it's things that drives Dan batshit, not Aaron batshit. But, I mean, I took a pretty strong stand in that I thought Santiago was played perfectly. If it was any less perfect, I would totally agree with you, Dan. But I totally bought. Maybe I've had one too many pain-in-the-ass, cover-your-ass bosses, which you're not, you're not too sure who he's working for uh-huh. or whether he's on your side or not. But... And that, those stakes aren't like fucking nas- international terrorists come blow my head off in China. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like it was it was okay. I mean, I did too, but oh. it's a point that that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's a matter of opinion on that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I just I, I like to get the viewpoints out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, we had a final note, Christopher B. Uh, Dom might not be able to take a punch, but she can land out or hand out wicked burns. All day long. Her mm-hmm. last message, utterly brutal. Looks like White Rose actually believes what she's selling. Rather, she, or Whether she's crazy or not is up in the air. Her right-hand man didn't seem to believe her, though. Uh, who? Philip Price, Grant, or Irving? Dom's right-hand man? No, no, no. White Rose. White Rose is, oh. Uh, I don't know. I... Yeah, I mean, Leon. I well, I was gonna say Grant obviously believes her because he blows his blows his head off. Uh-huh. Irving, I think, is the interesting question because also the idea of taking a sabbatical to write a novel is kind of ridiculous if you thought that you were on the cusp of your former mistress being able to manipulate time and space. Sure, yeah, you know? yeah. like he's like the you know like 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 White Rose wouldn't take a sabbatical to do shit. Uh-huh. She's got to do. She's got to. She's got to work until her job is done, so she can apparently live forever or do whatever she's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, makes you wonder what you would do in Dom's position with your family threatened. Make you a little more sympathetic to the FBI stooge. Always thought that move in the situation is to send the story to every form of media I can think of, but I don't know how far of White Rose's reach is. So that's a good. You know, I talked about just committing suicide. 
because like you know you'd rather do that than than betray your country right and that mm-hmm. would also like boy what would dark army do about that two high profile fbi agents one in the chain of command gets killed on the same day yeah or offs themselves on the same day with the same day that security camage was looped or miss, missing like yeah get doing something where you you send this information everything you know to everyone in every news organization I, I still don't know in Mr. Universe's and Mr. Universe's universe is everyone on the dole? Like she's got the Alex Jones type, the the Frank was his name Frank something or other. Or, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I just wonder like if you would send this to the Washington Post and the New York Times if they, there'd be some shady editor going through and being like, oh, this is file thirteen material and he just shreds it all. But everyone? It can't be everyone. Like you might have, you might have Fox, you might have MSNBC. Are you going to have them and Beeb and NBC and NPR and and the Guardian and the Sun Times? Like right, every single because you could get this out to all the community newspapers. Yeah, yeah. Like get this out to three hundred community newspapers across the country. It's kind of hard to deny. Well, they're all they're all owned by Garnet, so. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) It all goes to the same submission box, and so it's just it's just the one guy. Um, get it, get it to Vice, get it to Medium, get it yeah. to HuffPo, get it to WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks, get it to all, send it to, to everybody, send it to Snowden at Russia dot net. Yeah, uh, yeah, I. That's that's pretty solid because what are they going to do? Kill you and your entire family when you put them on blast? Right, it would just be admitting guilt essentially. I uh, now you would, but be, how do you track them down? And also, you would be looking behind your back the rest of your life. Absolutely, um, but I don't. Does that bring them down, though? It would expose them, but what could actually Grant bring them down? Grant asserted that I, we can survive a leak, but Grant, I don't believe because he's wrong. He's demonstrably wrong about a lot of different things. Yeah. So I don't know if he actually has a good handle on all this. I'm just trying to think how that plays out. Okay. So what, what Dom really needs here is Elliot's information to pinpoint specific people that they can go in and take out, right? Because without that information... You're saying, okay, well, they bought the FBI, or, or they, they've extorted the FBI, but who? Who in the FBI? How do you find that out? Um, they've extorted high-ranking political officials. How do you find out who that is? Elliot has the keys to that. Elliot could potentially blow that wide open. Right. But, hmm. but without that information, it doesn't do much good to even know that the Dark Army, because they know the Dark Army exists. They just don't know exactly how it operates. Dom knows the Dark Army exists. Well, but as soon as she said that, even her own partner was talking about, like, hacker ghost stories. Like, I don't think... But, but specifically about, like, White Rose, not the Dark Army itself. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. But if you were to say, oh, there's a ringleader, but who? Who is that? Hmm. Okay. How do you track that person down and figure it out and figure out who they've bought? I don't know. Cyber terror is kind of a fascinating topic because... The you know, it's one thing to say you got plausible deniability when you find an American operating in some foreign country, do, you know, doing some shit, and he's not wearing a uniform, but you know, mm-hmm. he's got a, he's got a, he's, he sounds like fucking Ben Affleck from uh, Goodwill Hunting. Like, okay, yeah, sure, you're not an American, but like when you've tunneled through seven proxies across all seven continents, like, how the fuck do you track that shit down? 
I mean, especially since like it's already ha- bad enough, and we're talking about the the hackers are just doing it for the love and the lulls and whatever. But when the second you get states actually sponsoring those people, and you get powerful corporations doing that, like man, we're gonna we are we are living in some fucking interesting times. Which, if you know, is a Chinese uh, curse. May you live in interesting times because <laughs> we're about to enter an age where you can't trust any video you watch, you can't trust any audio clip you hear. And where we are like like our society is being split along the lines of fake news and reliable news and like I don't fucking know. Um, it's so no, I think it's 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 interesting that 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 of all the times that Mr. Robot could have been relevant to come out and probably any time in the last seven years it, it would have been no one about bat an eye. Right now we're at the crux of all these crazy <laughs> new technological destabilizers and what's that fucking silicon valley buzzword disruptors sure that is you know and like where even like facebook execs are like i don't know that we did a good thing creating this social media thing (laughs) like this 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 might be destroying discourse in in western society yeah it's it's like opinion has become the only thing that matters and it's informed by not but I mean, because when you when you can't trust anything you read, hear, or see, right? Uh, your preconceptions about things are the only thing you can trust. It's like you fall back on common sense, but in the modern age, we've right. seen time and time again where it's less effective. Common sense leads you in the wrong fucking direction, and even if it's right, the i the idea that a person can get their hands around an understanding of a situation just operating an, as an island unto themselves any kind of any kind of complex situation uh, i don't yeah fuck I, and that's one of the things i think mr robot does really well is it grapples with that idea of of cause and effect not being quite what you think it might be right mm-hmm. like elliot has done a thing that he very much believes will fix a problem that he perceives and it's turned out it's completely backfired in his face he did something that now he deeply regrets and that has not only not fixed anything but has made matters worse yeah um but it looked like such a good idea at the time Mm -hmm. to him so now he's actively trying to undo that and he has undone it as far as we can tell um but what what does even the undo process look like does that just make things worse how where does that where does that train end Philip Price comes out and says his official position is everyone knew how much money they owed us, so we're just going to go ahead and add three months of late payments and interest right. rates and ha 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 ha. You know, I was like, I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I wonder if they could pull that shit because then they played that uh-huh. that idea a little bit in season two, where like an old lady was her house was being repossessed even though she had all the bank statements and uh-huh. yeah. That's to say, how do you how do you walk that back? How do you walk three months of lost wages and people losing their houses and their jobs and their cars and yeah. just just a massive destruction of wealth? That how do you ever put that back? Yeah, I mean it's it's that idea of unintended consequences and sort of genie out of the bottle kind of mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that might not be able to be undone, right? And what will it do to Bitcoin? I don't know. I mean, it's probably crushed it. I imagine. What like would E-coin. Do to e- yeah, what will it do to the Ecoin, or, or, or rather? Oh yeah, Ecoin. I don't know. Once the U.S. dollar is back in full effect, right? Jesus Christ, Bitcoin's almost up to eighteen hundred, eighteen thousand dollars. 
that's the other thing nice. has gone crazy. Bald like, owns a little bit of Bitcoin. <laughs> dur- during the span of uh, Mr. Robot, Bitcoin is essentially like it, that. Isn't that another kind of interesting synchronicity that like yeah. Bitcoin has gone bonkers during the the airing of Mr. Robot? Because like apparently all four hundred thousand people said, "Hey, I should look into Bitcoin. I should buy Bitcoin." Yeah. As soon as they heard Bitcoin on Mr. <laughs> Robot. Awesome. Maybe Sam Esmail owns the world's largest stock of. Of, uh, uh, of of Bitcoin, yeah, and we're going to find he's actually Samantha Esmail, <laughs> <laughs> and he's lou- he's he's and and she's lounging in some kind of bungalow with Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> yeah, I-, I was going to say he's actually Satoshi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be I, that man. Fuck uh, the long con, dude. Bravo. Yeah, I was going to say Bravo Esmail, <laughs> Bravo. If if that's what you've done, you des- you des- you deserve everything you're getting. Yep. Uh, so that's it. That's the that's the that's the pod. That's the feedback. That's that's Mr. Robot season three. Took me by complete surprise. I really expected to do a sullen podcast where this show continues to spin off the rails, and we announce that we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And now it's been easily in the top five, if not top two, three or two shows for 2017. And I can't wait for it to come back. I feel like by make by. In good faith that people will get that joke about Satoshi, uh-huh. uh, by making that joke, I am proving the point uh, about why not a lot of people watch this show. Mm. Because that is the kind of joke I can make with the podcast listeners, and I think most of them will get it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I've always thought, like, yes... This show is tailored to a certain audience, I'll say. But it's kind of Star Trek in that where, like, if you don't understand what a Bassard Ram Scoop is, it doesn't matter because it's yeah, going to be the Heisenberg thing. Or Heisenberg Compensator. It's going to be the thing that the Enterprise uses to suck fuel out of space. There's going to be the sure. way that Scotty puts his dick back on the right direction. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. It's it's the MacGuffin that that moves the, the drama forward. That's fair. So, like... It just it just depend it just happens to be in Mr. Robot's universe that so far all this stuff makes sense and even maps the real world hacks. So like the more you understand it, the more like uh, appreciation you get for the technical details and accuracy. But mm-hmm. I don't I feel like I don't know why this thing's not being watched. I feel like the next, last season was a definite disappointment, um, and it, it turned off a lot of the the, the critics. Uh, and I feel like being on USA. Like it's one of those things. Like you only get so many chances to make a first impression, and the fact that you're right. Like there is a form. It seems like all the shows that that really gain year over year are the ones that are on Netflix or Hulu that people can check out on the off season and be like, you know, oh, here's Mr. Robot, Jim and Aaron. I've been talking about. It. Let me go watch it. Oh, fuck! I spent forty bucks to get the two seasons on Amazon or iTunes. Nah, fuck that. I think it's. I'll go watch Dark. That's the thing. I it's. I think free to stream with Amazon Prime, and a lot of people have Amazon Prime, but that's true. Probably not as, not many, as many as have Netflix. Netflix. Hell no. Yeah. So I feel like it's a smaller of at least the two, if not the three, big streaming platforms. So yeah, it, they they should probably look into getting this on Netflix, so more people will check it out in the off season. All right. Uh, but thanks. Uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, with this year. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Mr. Robot journey. We'll be back next time. I imagine, like, you know, I can't imagine us not covering season no, four. Mr. No, 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 no. There are a lot of things I would drop way before what dropping if, Mr. Ro- Game of Thrones. What if it's Game of Thrones, Mr. Mr. Robot, Robot, and Better Call Saul? <laughs> Fuck. 
And I think that's it because Fargo's definitely. I, I could handle those three. I don't know if you could because you have a lot to do on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I could handle those three. Oh, that, it'd be the fourth. Which, which I, I just said, I said Westworld, Game of Thrones, and oh, and Westworld. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'd either be Better Call Saul or this uh-huh. for sure. But I don't know which. Don't don't make me answer. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's because it's also like what the hell the the HBO is going to have Westworld and, and Game if, of Thrones compete on the same night. Right. <laughs> at They've the lost same their time, fucking mind. HBO and HBO two. Right. One of them was showing Game right. of Thrones. That they, uh, they're they're going to bump. They're going to bump Westworld to Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> so they can air it. They can air it directly across each other. Nine p.m. And so Eastern they can standard time. So they can put more softcore porn in there too. Of course. <laughs> Don't forget that. Well, yeah. I mean, Westworld would be the show to do it in. Yes. All right. That's it. That's it. Uh, Robot at baldmove dot com. Check us all of our stuff out at baldmove dot com. You know, this is not the only thing we do. We just talked about all the other shows we do. We do a lot of movies. Uh, we do. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff all the time. And also in January. Uh, if you're curious, we do our annual Baldies, which is uh, yeah. uh, is it the fourth year running? We it do. Is. It's the it's the world's best shitty internet award show where we talk about the top shows, the top comedies, the top actors, uh, and some fun little categories. And we do a whole bunch of deliberations, and we have a little show that we produce that's going to be coming out probably late January. If you want to see where Mr. Robot ends up with uh, our rankings, uh, things going to make a little bit of noise. I think there is some there is there is some actors who have distinguished themselves this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I feel like I could put five people on the show in the best actor category, and they're going to probably get cut down by the brutal uh, leftovers competition. But you never know. <laughs> That's why you got to watch the Baldies. I'll be back in late uh, January uh, twenty eighteen. But again, hope you see you sooner than later. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.